0: Good morning. What a privilege it is to be back with you uh, wonderful folks here at Wallenstein uh, this morning. Thank you so much for the invitation to uh, continue in this series entitled Why Jesus. Thank you to Joshua. What a great reading that was. Um, Jeff had asked how long I've been coming to Wallenstein, and when we looked up in some records, it was like 18 years ago that I first came here. A young guy, mid-40s, I guess, I have to do the math. But if you're gracious enough to invite me back in 18 more years, I'll be 80, all right? (laughs) And if I'm still able to stand up and make some kind of sense about things, maybe I can open for you, Joshua, and read the scriptures for you. Wouldn't that be a great opportunity? You never know what the Lord has in mind, right? But thank you for that. Thank you to our music team. And uh, thank you to all who are involved in the service today. Jeff, the Bible is still black, but not only does the font get smaller, they get heavier. And these arthritic hands, I can't hold a big Bible anymore, so that's at home in my office. So the Bible's gotten a little smaller, because I like to hold it in my hand wherever I go every Sunday. I want people to know this isn't stuff I'm making up, it's in this book. So I like to keep it in my hand. Uh, just I, I get a concern when sometimes some people preach and then they put the Bible away and never see it again. you're going to see it, and you're going to see it a lot, but it's a little smaller, And that's the, the reason for that. The overarching questions of this series are, why Jesus? Why should I give my life to him? Why should I believe in him and follow him? And these are questions that we all certainly must answer. And so turning to our passage this morning, let me suggest to you that we should believe and follow Jesus because according to our passage, Jesus is wonderful, number one. Two, Jesus is willing, number two. And number three, Jesus is worthy. It's a warty Sunday here, so it's a W, helping us with alliteration this morning. Don't always use it, but it's my job to package this. Not only to sort of expositionally break it down and hopefully apply it in a way that'll help you, but I need to package it. I wanna do it in such a way that you might remember some of these thoughts. And uh, again, the older I get, the packaging helps me remember where I am and where I'm headed. So let's begin with this thought today as we consider John 12, 1 to 8. Like Mary, we can easily conclude that Jesus is wonderful. Now that's not a word I use very often. It's actually a scriptural description of Jesus prophetically back in Isaiah chapter 9. Remember, wonderful counselor. Prophetically, this one who would come who would be a wonderful counselor, mighty king, and so on. But the word wonderful isn't something I use very often, but in looking it up, I felt that, that, that it captures what we're trying to get to in this first point. Someone who is wonderful is someone who is remarkable. Someone who causes a feeling of amazement to others and causes others to admire them. When we read the scriptures, there are a number of references, I can give them to you, we won't turn to them, but Matthew 12, 23, Mark 2, 12, Mark 10, 24, where Jesus uh, spoke or Jesus uh, did, did some amazing work, and we read, and the people were amazed. The people were astonished. The people concluded he was wonderful, which is what those words mean. And here in these opening verses of John 12, Mary acknowledges that Jesus is remarkable and deserving of her adoration and worship, and she expresses this through pouring the expensive perfume on him. Now, before we go any further, we have some young people with us here today. We always have, well, now a lot of people are younger than I am, but we have always a wonderful group of young people who I always love to see over here on my right. But throughout our congregation this morning, we have some younger people here. And we just want to ask the question this morning who do you think is wonderful? <laughs> who do you adore? Who do you follow? Who impresses you and why? And the point I want to make to you this morning, friends, there is nobody greater than Jesus Christ. He is wonderful. He is amazing. He is astonishing. He is remarkable. And yet today, we, and I'm including myself in this category, we get caught up in following, adoring. There I use the word worship people from athletics, from music, from Hollywood, from wherever, whatever, you know. I've been fortunate enough in my life to see many of the goats, we're not talking about the animals, write the acronym, the greatest of all time, the goats in athletics perform live. I've seen Gretzky play hockey live, i watched Gordie Howe play hockey live, I've seen uh, Jack Nichols play golf live, i would, played in a golf tournament a couple weeks ago at Glen Abbey where the Canadian Open was played for years. I watched Tiger Woods play golf. I talked to Tiger Woods. Did I tell you that? I shared this with you. I spoke to Tiger. Just happened to be at the tournament, and this is how it works around a guy like that. There are people with walkie-talkies that are counting down the seconds of him leaving the locker room. The security is so crazy, they count down the seconds. And we just come across this guy, the walkie-talkie, 10, 9, 8, He's leaving the locker room. Seven, he's doing up his shirt. Six, five, four, he's putting on his socks. Five, and there there he appears. One ring of his own security around him, and then the tournament security around the security. A rope that's thrown right in front of my brother and I, and there's Tiger. I spoke to him. Hey, Tiger, how you doing? He didn't respond, but I spoke to him. (laughs) I watched him play live, right? I watched John McEnroe when he was at the top of his game in tennis, the world number one guy. I watched him kind of practice all by himself. I would just stand there watching him play. It was, it was kind of amazing experiences. These people are all skilled people, and I'm not making comments on their personalities or characters. I don't know them, but it's so easy for us to worship, and for me, being involved in athletics, I always looked at these people, wow, what an impressive person. What skill? Friends, there's nobody greater than Jesus Christ who is deserving of our worship, of our adoration. He is the one that we need to be following. Why should I believe and follow Jesus? Because he's wonderful. He's remarkable. He's amazing. As the very Son of God, Jesus was perfect in character and he was perfect in conduct. Mary knew Jesus. And she loved him. She followed him. She worshipped him. Mary knew Jesus and experienced this person who was best described by John, and you probably covered this in John chapter 1. He was described there as one who was full of grace and truth. Think about that description. Who are you following today? Who am I following? Who are you amazed by today? Who are you worshipping today? Man, all those years working in the high school environment, I miss it. I miss parts of it. Yeah, I, you know, I miss, yeah, anyway. But the things, and I love working with young people, I really did. Um, but it got concerning to me so often when, you know, the headsets were on and and minds were being pumped full of of horrific lyrics and profanity and music and all the rest of it. and And, and there was this sort of, you know, Following and worshiping this this form of that man, I was concerned about that. Who do who do we put on a pedestal? Who do we follow? Who do we worship? Who do we adore? Here we see Mary taking this very expensive perfume and 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 wiping the feet of Jesus, her Lord, her Savior, her friend. This one who is full of grace and truth. This one who is the greatest friend. Of all time. You know, this is a bit of an aside, but as we look at these first few verses of John 12, we find captured in the actions of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus a sort of snapshot of the Christian life. All right, we we see Martha serving Jesus. She was serving Jesus. We see Mary worshiping Jesus, not some local celebrity. Not some musician or actor, not some athlete, not some politician, not some business person. No, she was worshiping Jesus. And we see Lazarus sitting at the feet, listening, learning, from who? Hollywood, TV, media, social media? No, listening and learning at the feet of Jesus. Service, worship, learning All the feet of there there we see captured in in the actions of those three characters in that one scene a summary of 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 the Christian life. Does it describe how you spend your time? Does it describe how my fill my time? Why Jesus? Because first he is wonderful. (laughs) But notice secondly we should believe and follow Jesus because Jesus is willing. As we find in our text, we should put our faith in Jesus because he is willing to eternally change us and give us new life. Notice verses 9 and 10. Meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there and came not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he raised from the dead that statement appears three times in the first 18 verses of John 12 whom he raised from the dead whom he raised from the dead Lazarus who he raised from the dead so the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus as well for on account of him many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and believing in him just as Jesus brought new life to Lazarus he is willing to bring new life to you and to me isn't that an amazing thought we think back to John 3 where Jesus has interaction with that you know that kind of scholarly guy who, what, what, what he talked about this whole conversation about being born again well what, what are you talking about Jesus what do you mean by that well being renewed being spiritually reborn is what Jesus offers to each and every one of us he is willing to change us. He is willing to give us new life. And here's Lazarus, who he gave physical life to. He, he, he performed this amazing miracle Lazarus, who was dead, was raised to life, to new life. It was a physical thing for sure, which was pretty you know, amazing, obviously. Three times it's mentioned who he raised from the dead, who he raised from the dead, who he raised. Guess what? Jesus raised me from the dead. Have you been risen from the dead? Have you experienced new life in Jesus spiritually? Have you come to that moment in your life's experience where you realize you're spiritually dead and separate from God? Headed to a lost eternity, but because of His love for you, He went to the cross and there He died, shedding His own blood so that we could have what? New life. So that we could be born again spiritually through repenting of our sin and embracing Him as Savior and Lord, we can have our sins forgiven. We, 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 can, we know what it is to have a relationship made right with God we can have this hope in our heart that one day we're going to be in his presence forevermore do you have that hope in your heart this morning you see Lazarus was raised to new life it was pretty incredible but he was going to die again <laughs> more importantly is the condition of our of our eternal souls do you have new life in Jesus this morning, it's my privilege to share with you the, the truths of the gospel message, if you will, that God loves you. He sent His Son to die for you, and through faith in Him, you can experience new life. Oh, you know what? <laughs> it's pretty exciting to know that one day we're going to get a new body, right? The knees will be fixed, the back will be fixed, be able to hold a big, massive Bible for hours at a time. <laughs> But more importantly, we're going to be in the presence of our Lord forevermore, because Jesus gave us new life. He's willing to do that in your life, and he's willing to do it right now, right where you sit. If you feel you need to get right with him, don't delay that interaction with him. As uh, early in my teaching career, I, I've shared with you before, I was hired as a guidance counselor, So I'm a phys ed guy who had a minor in psych as well and did a counseling course. And and I was parachuted as a 25-year-old, that's more than 18 years ago, into this full-time guidance position, which I knew nothing about, (laughs) right? And, And yet I was surrounded by wonderful people who were very experienced and were very helpful to me for sure. But I spent so many hours in those early days dealing with conflict between people, student student, student teacher 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 administrator administrator parent teacher parent kid parent like right i was the mediator i'm in between this conflict all the time and 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 at some point somebody needs to start talking here if this is going to be resolved somebody needs to start talking here well guess what friends there's a relationship problem actually between us and almighty god because of my imperfections and he has started the communication process And he started by this, saying, look, I love you. I love you so much. I'm going to send my son, my only begotten son, to die for you. Have you responded to that? I had kids who were sitting in front of a parent who was in tears in my office because of what was going on in that family, and that kid turned their back, their parent got up and walked away. Don't walk away from Almighty God. He loves you. And he sent his son to die for you, and he's willing to change you. When we accept Christ as our own, we, we are given this a tremendous gift of the Holy Spirit of God who is there in part to teach us and to, to help conform us to the image of Jesus Christ. He, we've given this beautiful resource, the Bible, to read, to understand, to follow him, to become more like him. He wants to change you. He's willing to do that. Will you let him do that? You know, there was I came across this in the 19th century... Charles Braidlaw, a prominent atheist, challenged a Christian man to debate the validity of the claims of Christianity. The Christian was Hugh Price Hughes. Who would call their kid Hugh, whose last name is Hugh? Anyway, <laughs> Hugh Price Hughes, <laughs> an active soul winner who worked among the poor in the slums of London. Hughes told Braidlaw he would agree to the debate on one condition. Hughes said, I propose to you that we each bring some concrete evidences of the validity of our beliefs in the form of men and women who have been redeemed from the lives of sin and shame by the influence of our teaching. I'll bring a hundred men and women and I challenge you to do the same." Hughes then said that if Bradlaugh couldn't bring a hundred then he could bring twenty. Finally whittled the number down to one. All Bradlaugh had to do was to find one person whose life was improved by atheism. And Hughes, who would bring 100 people improved by Christ, would agree to debate him. Braidlaw withdrew. The greatest evidence and proof of our faith, friends, comes in the reality of changed lives. Hey, this life is a journey. We take some steps forward in our spiritual journey. We take some back. I get that. But as you look back over time, are you changed? Are you changing? Are we on this journey of sanctification? If so, thank God for it this morning. I had an interaction. I was speaking out of town, a way, way long way out of town, a while back, and I was just confronted by so many people. Who came to me and said, "Dale, you know what? I struggled with addiction, man. Man, I struggled with addiction, but I found Jesus Christ, and I got help, and my life has never been the same." Oh, sometimes it's not that dramatic. But friends, the greatest reality of proof of our faith is lives that are changed. He's willing to change your life. He's willing to change mine. Let me share with you uh, an example that comes from uh, Jim Zimbella's latest book, uh, The Pastor of the Brooklyn Tabernacle. He doesn't write books very often. When he does, I'm always interested to read it. Um, and this one is entitled Fan the Flame, and he just shares this story. I don't know whether this happens where you live, But in New York City, a lot of folks show up our services on Christmas and Easter. (laughs) On Easter, a line often winds around the building for each of our services. That's encouraging, isn't it? We prioritize sharing the gospel as the main theme of our services on those days. The music department puts together an Easter or Christmas presentation with special music and sometimes a testimony or two from people who have life-changing experiences to share. I close the presentation by giving the gospel message and asking people to respond by coming forward for prayer. We pray with them, get to know them a bit, and gather their information so we can follow up with them later. It's always fulfilling, but it's also extremely exhausting. I remember one special Sunday in particular. We had reached the end of our third service. I'd been on my feet most of the day, so I sat on the edge of the platform, loosened my tie and collar, and let out a few deep breaths. Then I saw him. Standing a few feet away in the middle of the aisle was a tall man, somebody I've never seen before. He looked like he might be in his 50s. He stood there staring at me, shabbily dressed and holding a filthy-looking cap in his hands. I confess, I thought, oh, great. The service is over. I'm tired, and now I'm going to get hit up for some money from one of our street people." That scenario is common because of where our church is located. We have a protocol we follow when this sort of thing happens. We don't want to give money to someone who's going to spend it to fuel their habit. But I didn't feel like going through the whole protocol. I figured I'd give him a few bucks and that would be that. He walked closer. I could see missing teeth, matted hair, several days' growth of beard. There was no telling when he last had a shower. What's your name, I asked him. David. Where'd you stay last night, David? Empty truck. How come you're not in a shelter? By now, I was really fighting the odor. It was overwhelming. No shelter. I learned that David didn't like the idea of staying in a shelter, so he bounced from one place to another. He later told me that once he was in an abandoned apartment sleeping on a filthy mattress that had been left there, the cigarette he'd been smoking fell into the mattress just as he was dozing off providentially his brother walked in as the mattress was set ablaze how long he been on the street a couple of years i learned later that he'd been lying on the sidewalk next to our building he heard the music he got up and he stood just outside a side door listening he heard the gospel of jesus christ He was ashamed to be seen by all the people so he waited until the service was over before coming in. I thought, how much should I give him? I fished a $10 bill from my wallet and started to hand it to him but he pushed my hand away. I don't want your money he said. I want this Jesus that you've been preaching about. You see, I'm going to die out in those streets. And just like that, in that moment my heart melted. I started to cry quietly. You know who also needed Jesus at that moment? I did. I prayed within, God forgive me. You sent somebody I'm supposed to help and I'm trying to send them away with a $10 bill. The Lord seemed to say, Jim, if you have any value to me, if you have any purpose in my work, it has to do with this odor. This is the smell of the world I died for. Just then, David broke down quietly as well. He wrapped his arms around me. I hugged him to myself and we started rocking back and forth. I don't know for how long I was crying, he was crying. And can I tell you in that moment, the smell I had found so repugnant became like a beautiful fragrance to me. That was the beginning of a long relationship between David and our church. He is still special to my family. I led him to Christ that night. We got him into a detox at us, a scenario the next day. When he got out, we gave him a job working in our church. Had to, I had to assess how he was doing, and I wanted to be near him. He got cleaned up, and he, he actually had his teeth fixed. It turns out he was only 32 years old and pretty good-looking guy. <laughs> David spent Thanksgiving and Christmas at our house that year. For Christmas, he gave me a hanky, just a simple white hanky. I treasured this day as the beautiful gift I've ever received. Jesus changes lives he's willing to do that in your life he's changing me I'm a work in progress friends <laughs> we're all a work in progress we're so grateful that Jesus is wonderful we're grateful that Jesus is willing to change us and thirdly I need to finish we'll come to our third point It says we should believe in Jesus because Jesus is worthy. In verses 12 through 15, we read this. The next day, the great crowd that had come to the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it. As it is written, do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See your king is coming, seated on On a donkey's colt. Why should I believe in Jesus and follow him? Because he is, in fact, the promised king, the promised Messiah. He fulfilled all the Old Testament prophecies recorded centuries before, including the scene being played out in this passage this morning that comes from Zechariah chapter 9. The major theme of the Bible is the revelation of Jesus Christ the Son of God, the perfect Lamb of God, the Messiah, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, as Savior. As such, friends, he is worthy of our faith. He is worthy of our praise. He is worthy of our worship. Jesus is the one that the Old Testament prophesied about. Scholars debate how many prophecies were written about Jesus. Some say 300, some say 450. But the reality is when you go back and study the Old Testament and read about all that that they pointed to, this one who had come, that person was Jesus Christ. And he came fulfilling and continues to fill all that wonderful Old Testament prophecy. He is worthy, he is deserving of our praise of our worship. And he's worthy to be followed because he's the humble king. You don't see him here on the greatest, massive, powerful stallion coming in. To, no, no, he was on a donkey. Our humble king, worthy of our praise. You know, when you spend 35 years working in a phys ed office with a lot of wonderful people who come and go over the years. I spent more time in that office, in that gym, on those fields than I did my own house, as I look back. And the way it kind of played out on a daily basis in that, uh, in that phys ed office at lunchtime, we would, uh, you know, sit down, which phys ed teachers don't do a lot of, and we would um, grab some lunch, you got about 10 minutes, 15 minutes to eat lunch. And while we're eating, we're sort of talking about the morning, debriefing some of the crazy stuff that happened in the gym or whatever. And, and then we would all sort of just disperse to coach, to run events, all that stuff. And that was kind of the routine. During that 10, 15 minutes, there was sometimes some things to talk about, some sports stories to talk about, some student stories to talk about, whatever. But on this one particular day, as we're just finishing up lunch and it's, you know, time to ready break, let's go. Somebody says, hey, Dale, what's the Bible all about? (laughs) I got a gym full of uh, volleyball players waiting for me to coach in two minutes. Dale, what's the Bible all about? (laughs) Okay, I said, look, there's two parts to it. An Old Testament and a New Testament. The Old Testament is full of wonderful history and prophetical things, and, 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 and all talks about this one who had come to be the Savior of the world because we all need a Savior. And in the New Testament, we're introduced to who that person is. That person is Jesus. And some of you, because they watch a lot of sports, sometimes you've seen people hold up signs at sporting events, say, John 3.16, right? That is a central text of the New Testament that summarizes what the Bible's all about. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him sorry old language believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And if you want to take a close look at this verse and I've shared this with you before you may want to use it when you talk to people John 3:16 summarizes the whole Bible for me. It's all about Jesus. It's all about telling us about the Savior. If you take John 3:16, there's 25 words in John 3:16. You know what the middle word is? The 13th word. So there's 12 words, the middle word's the 13th word, and then there's 12 more words. You know what the 13th word is, the center word. In John 3:16, it's the word "son. <laughs> see? The Bible's all about God telling us about His Son who is worthy of our praise. He is wonderful. He is willing. And He's worthy of our faith, of our lives, to follow, to serve, to give our all to Him. There's no one greater than Jesus Christ. I'm going to close with one final illustration which is again a testimony i love to share testimonies of other people i find it incredibly encouraging to to hear and read and understand how god has changed people's lives and i'm going to tell you about the king of cool who met the king of kings i don't know about you young people i don't know who's cool to you today i don't know kind of lost touch right who's cool? I mean, I kind of know in the athletic world, but I don't know musically in Hollywood. I don't know who's cool anymore. When I grew up, and I just actually came across, I was watching a sporting event, and one of the athletes involved happened to connect with Henry Winkler, the Fonz. When I grew up, Happy Days was a thing, and the Fonz was cool, right? Supposedly. Well, the Fonz is almost 80 years old now. (laughs) He's not so cool anymore, I guess. I don't know who's cool today, but back in my day, one guy who was cool was Steve McQueen. So some of you might be familiar with Steve McQueen, who was a star of a lot of sort of big movies in the day. So Steve McQueen was a 60s actor. I was born in 61, so kind of knew a bit about him. Uh, Nicknamed the King of Cool. McQueen was famous for such films as Bullet, The Great Escape, Papillon, and so on. He had a painful childhood, with a string of abusive stepfathers. Unsurprisingly, he ran away from home with a deep-seated anger and a broken spirit. When he became successful, he used alcohol and a string of relationships to fill the dark void that his childhood had left. In his early years, he had no time for religion, but in his later years, he was intrigued by the man who was teaching him to fly an airplane. There was something about him. Eventually, he asked this man why he was different. He seemed to have peace, The man explained that he was a follower of Jesus Christ. McQueen was hooked. One Sunday morning, he told his wife to put on her best clothes because they're going to church. They started going to their local Baptist church and eventually, Steve McQueen became a Christian. I didn't know that until I read this. Steve then contracted cancer and needed reassurance in his faith so he contacted Billy Graham to come and meet with him. You know, not too many people have the ability to call Billy and say, hey, do you want to just Of on my private jet or whatever and come down. I need your help. (laughs) But he did. Billy came and spent time with him, prayed for him and shared some scriptures to encourage him. In the clinic Steve sought to tell as many people as he could about Jesus. (laughs) One day the nurse walked into his room and found that he had passed away from a massive heart attack. On his chest lay the Bible that Billy Graham had given to him and it was opened at John 3, 16. In his final days, he wanted to tell everyone about his faith in Jesus. Why Jesus? Why follow Jesus? He's wonderful. He's willing. He's worthy of our worship. I'm just going to pray... And then we're going to get our music team to come back and then I'll return for a closing thought. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you so much for your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for this wonderful book, the Bible, that tells us about your wonderful love for us as expressed through him. Jesus is so worthy of our praise, of our lives, of our service. We thank you that you're willing to change us, Lord, through faith in him. And we acknowledge today that Jesus truly is wonderful, amazing, astonishing, the greatest of all time, perfect in character, perfect in conduct. Father, help us to be more like him. Help us to follow him, to love him. We thank you for your goodness to us this day in Jesus' name. Amen. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume, she poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Romans 12 and 1 says this, therefore I urge you brothers and sisters in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. Lord we do thank you so much for all that you've done for us and realize it's only reasonable that we offer our lives back to you as living sacrifices to be used to serve you to worship you to bring glory and honor to your name. We pray that'll be our focus this week as we leave this place of of worship and of fellowship and of communing together as we get back into the reality of life we pray that we would seek to be more like Jesus We thank you so much for him, and we commit each person here to you, each individual, each couple, each family that's represented here this morning. Bless each one, we pray, and part us with your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great week, Lord willing. We'll see you next Sunday. Thank you.